Hello everyone and welcome to episode 22 of SIDcast. I'm David Gibson, your host of SIDcast. A uh, little house cleaning stuff. Thank you all for downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing for those who have. And if you haven't, it just takes a couple of seconds. I know every podcast says it and it's kind of annoying when they say it at the beginning and end of each episode like like uh, yours truly does. But um, it is really important for those for those podcasters who just take a second and do that. Um, also, we are on Twitter and Facebook using backslash sports infocast because SIDcast is already taken. Um, also, YouTube. We are working with uh, a guest for next week about doing yet another YouTube tutorial episode. So that, that's, that's something we will hopefully get to, and I hope something that you all will enjoy. So um, and also, I have to say this because I, I said it off air, Chris. Um, we will be making a little announcement about the next coming weeks and a couple months of SID cast as we start heading into the uh, summer season. So stick around for that, uh, if, if, or not, I don't care. Um, and then you'll just be surprised over the summer, so works for me. I like surprises. All right, my guest today is Chris Savato of Willamette. Willamette? It's Willamette, damn it. Willamette, damn it. All right, cool. So out in Salem, Oregon, Chris, how are you? Great, yourself? I'm doing pretty great. I've never been to Oregon, so that's, that's one of my one of my places I've always wanted to go to. It's It was, it's green, and there's a lot, it, there's a lot of, I am from originally from the East Coast, upstate New York, and um, I, it's a long way from the East Coast, <laughs> and it's a, it, it it took some adjusting, getting used to being so far in the time zone, and uh, you know, I grew up where you could, you know, your big cities are a couple hours apart, and out here, they're, you know, the closest city is four hours apart, <laughs> and you know, yes, yeah. it's beautiful out here, and the weather's. We've been getting swamped with rain this year, but the weather's nice, and uh, it's a great part of the country to live in. Um, you're, like you said, East Coast 2002 graduate uh, from Alfred University. Uh, electrical engineering, what, what what, the heck are you doing in sports information? How'd you get into it? Don't Spare no detail. Uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting question. Um, yeah, no, I I, uh, I got a degree in electrical engineering. Um, my junior year... And I, I competed. I, I competed in track and field uh, all through all through college, and um, you know that was for me. That was going to be the end of my uh, involvement in athletics. Was graduating from college, and um, my junior year, I had a uh, I had a job at IBM um, for during the summer between my junior and, and, and senior year, and I was making twenty twenty five dollars an hour or something like that. You know, without a degree, and you know, it's, this is 16, 17 years ago now. So that was a lot of money, and I was thinking, oh, this is going to be awesome. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be making, I'm gonna be able to, you know, get whatever I want. You know, I'm not, I'm not gonna be rich, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna be so comfortable right off the bat, and this is gonna be awesome. And then I went, uh, went back to school for my senior year, and the IBM facility that I worked at had shut down and sold and all the people that I knew had lost their jobs. And so now I'm in the market with the same people that have been working for years and years. And, um, so I ended up, um, having, having trouble finding uh, a good electrical engineering job. And I spent a year in a job that I was underpaid and overqualified and, um, was looking for something to kind of, something to do that, that could take me away from the, the nine to five nonsense that I didn't like dealing with, but only did cause I needed the paycheck. And I, I got into, uh, officiating track and field. And so I was a track and field official for a couple of years. And, um, after, after a while in my job, I, I just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I, I, I can't, this, this is just terrible. And I need right. to, I need to do something else. And, I ended up I ended up looking at a handful of jobs, um, coaching jobs, and um, I interviewed at a couple places, and ended up getting a coaching job at Rhodes College in Memphis, Tennessee. And um, I, you know, I was like, all right, let's let's do this. And I mean, I wasn't making money, much money to begin with, but took a pay cut and um, packed everything I owned and drove down to Memphis without a place to live or knowing anyone. Mm-hmm. And um, it was kind of a it was kind of a big jump for me because you know I come from um, 
I come from a big family. Um, um, well, I, I have two brothers and sisters, but I've got a ton of cousins and aunts and uncles, and um, it, you know, it's it. You don't go too long without seeing someone that you're related to, you know, back home. And so, moving away was something I had to do and wasn't afraid to do. Um, but it was it was a big step for me. And so I was, um, so I drove down to Rhodes and um, ended up staying in a hotel for a couple days before finding a guest house. Uh, you know, I lived basically I lived in lived in someone's guest house for for for, for two years, and yeah. um, it was the kind of job where going in. So to back up just a little bit, okay. I'm. I've kind of backed into sports information, so this is kind of a long, long story of how how we get there. But okay. um, uh, just so the listeners out there, I wonder when is he going to get to the actual sports information stuff? Um, it, it's a couple years away. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, you know, I, I lived in someone's guest house, and I was you know, making a thousand dollars a month, and uh, slowly adding to my credit card debt, et cetera, mm-hmm. blah blah blah, all that, and. Um, at Rhodes, I was, my position at Rhodes was basically a two year position and the, the, the going in, I knew that and they knew that. And they said at the end of two years, if you like it and we like you, you can stay, but you're not going to get any more money. And so the plan is basically after two years to move on. And while I was there, um, I kind of picked up some, some other things. Um, um, we didn't, we didn't really have an SID at Rhodes at the time. Um, one of the, the assistant basketball coach was kind of in charge of that area, but for the most part, team did their own stuff. They managed, you know, I managed our website, and uh, one of the other coaches wrote the stories after the games, and um, so we kind of did, we were kind of our own SIDs, and so I got into doing some brochure design and um, working a little with with PageMaker and. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of just tinkering and um that's that's kind of how i, I that's kind of how i've learned everything is, is tinkering it's like i want to be able to do this how do i do it let me figure out how to do that and um you know if you start small eventually you know it you learn more and more and it um you, you become pretty good at it um so i started tinkering with um uh, with brochure design and some photoshop and um I started uh, doing some web design stuff and I had, you know, I'd taken programming classes in college. And so picking up the web design stuff was, you know, it's for anyone who speaks more than one language, they tell you once you learn more than one after that, they, they're easy. And it's the same thing for programming. Once you know one programming language, um, you can pick up the, the other ones pretty quickly. And, and so I, I knew some, I knew some programming stuff and so I could pick up the HTML and, and all that stuff for the web design, and so I kind of started tinkering with that. Um, you know, I would do some, I do like side projects for some of the other coaches and design camp websites for them and camp brochures for them and stuff like that. Um, but but at the time, it was just that was just side stuff. I had no. It was interesting. It was fun, but I never thought that like this is where I'm going to end up. This is what I'm end up doing. You right. know, I was I was there to be a coach, and I was going to find another coaching job. And after two years, um, I applied to a bunch of places and uh, ended up getting a job out here at Willamette in kind of a similar situation. Didn't know anyone, didn't know anything here. Um, I actually had a place to live when I moved out here. Uh, <laughs> funny enough, I lived in the stadium. Um, we have uh, in our stadium, there's actually there's a little four-bedroom apartment. Um, it's uh, kind of gross, um, but the the free is a good price. Um, so, and you, you don't have a choice of your roommates. It's whoever's, whoever else is there. You know, I lived with three other football coaches for one year and a baseball coach and two football coaches one year. And, um, so that was, so I moved out to Willamette and, uh, lived in the stadium for several years. And it's not, like I said, it's not, it's not as glorious as it sounds. Um, you know all the shenanigans that you would. Our stadium's in, in a in a in the middle of a city park, so all these shenanigans that you can imagine happening in a city park during the night, right? You would outside my window. <laughs> so, um, but it was it was it was fun and it was 
just different and not really reality. And, you know, so I, you know, I was coaching and doing this. And as I was coaching, I was gradually um, picking up kind of more of these things that I started to do at Rhodes because those were the things that I was. Uh, so I was. I was an assistant coach here um, and kind of the low man on the totem pole. So I kind of, I'm the kind of person who does work that's appreciated. Um, and I could do, I could do this stuff and, and people enjoyed it and they, you know, and so it's like, that's my contribution. I, so, so I kind of doubled down into the, the, the one thing that I was making this contribution in terms of, you know, websites and graphic design and stuff like that. So I've doubled down and I just kept doing it. And, um, after after a couple years, um, you know, I, I came my first year here at Willamette. I was making $10,000 a year. Um, not much, but it came with benefits and a place to live. So, um, and then, you know, gradually that increased, increased, and it got to the point where it's like, okay, we're going to give you a little bit more money, but now this stuff that you've kind of been doing, that's actually going to be part of your job. Um, and so for a couple years, I was basically 50% track coach 50% sports information um and when I say sports information it's you know when I tell people what I do now it's everything that an SID would do except stats and write stories so um (laughs) in terms of an old school SID it's it's not very much that they do um uh you know so we get like I said you know I'm 50-50 doing um doing part of this stuff um and I'm a, like I said, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that like, I learned something and I, you know, I want to just keep learning and I want to figure something out. It's like, I don't, I want to do that, but I don't know how. All right, let's figure it out. Let's sit down and I'm going to figure out how to do that. And, um, so we started, we did, that's kind of how we started live streaming some of our, um, some of our non fancy sports. Uh, you know, we had, we had some, we had people that we paid to, that did football and, basketball but it's like, well why are we just doing why are we doing just football and basketball there's a, you know 18 other sports why are we why are we not doing some of the other ones so you know i i was like well let's let's see what what equipment we have and how can we how can we patch it together and how can we make it work um so i that's kind of how i kind of kept maneuvering my way into this sid world not really ever even planning on it. I mean, I've been doing SID. I, I've been a Casida member now for two years, um, but I've been doing SID work for 14. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never thought of myself in that world. That was just some things that I liked to do. And um, I was, I was, I was having fun and helping, helping our program and helping out with the program, helping the university. And um, it was not, it was not like a passion or that I am going to be the best SID. I don't even, I didn't even consider myself in the SID world until two years ago. Um, and then, like I said, two years ago is when they said, it basically, I made the transition from 50-50 to I'm going to be full-time in this, in this SID world. And, um, that's kind of how we got to where we are today. It's a long, a long story and probably, uh, completely different than, uh, almost all your other guests, but you know, that's, that's where we got it. Yeah, not everybody's path is the same. That's what's that's what's most fun about. It. I want to get to a couple of things that you said, but first, I have to know before we get to anything else. Um, you look outside your window. What's the, what's the worst shenanigan you saw out in that park? Uh, there was one night where there was some lady who was naked and probably high as a kite, and just like yelling and screaming, and like nobody else is there, and she was just and it was just like. Where did you come from? <laughs> all the called campus safety and they call the police and uh, it's just it, yeah stuff like that happened. All there, um, we have a, uh, a the homeless in in Oregon is pretty prevalent. Okay. Um, so there was a lot of times where you know you'd walk out the front door and there was a big pile of poop on your doorstep <laughs> because it was our door was in like a nook and where, where they could go and they could you know. Uh huh. In private, so yeah, so, so we it's stuff like that. It's just silly and goofy, and you know, if you don't, if you don't look at it and laugh, um, it would drive you nuts. But you know, it's to me that's just like a, 
it, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, what's it like, like you said, kind of having to pack everything you own up and just drive not knowing anything, just psychologically, and even living in a place where you have to, you live in a football stadium and there are naked people pooping outside your door. What, what is that like psychologically? Uh, it was, I was excited driving out here. Um, I was like, this is an adventure, I'm excited. And I was about, you know, it was, it, was, it took us four days, five days. I drove out with my father, it took us four or five days. And I was in Buffalo at the time, and all my stuff was in Memphis. So we had to go down to Memphis first, and then all the way over here. And so it took us some time, and I was excited, and this is exciting. And um, when I got about a day out, and I started getting nervous. Um, and as we're pulling into Salem, I was just I was nervous. And it's like, ah, that's like I, I came, I flew out here for an interview, and but I don't remember any of this stuff, and this doesn't look familiar. And um, even though I was here, it doesn't, it, it didn't look familiar. And we kind of got, we kind of got lost. Um, Salem's not a big city, and I, and I didn't, I don't, I don't know how we got lost. The, the we got lost drive before, like driving into Salem to get to, to Willamette, we got lost, and huh. I figured out where we were. But it's just, it's just, and so I, part of that was my nerves. It's like I should have just you know, done, paid attention to what I was doing, but I was nervous. And, um, when I got to the stadium, I hadn't, I hadn't seen, I'd been to Willamette and, uh, to inter- when I came out here to interview, but I hadn't seen the apartment in the stadium. And so when we got in the apartment in the stadium, I was like, Oh God, what did I make the right decision? Is this a, is this a huge mistake? Um, but it, you know, like I said, everything I owned was here and I'm here and I don't really have a choice. I can't, I and mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not. The, I'm not the type of person who's like, all right, I'm giving up. I'm going back home. Um, so I was here, and I was gonna at least give it a whirl. Um, and it took it took about two or three weeks before I I had kind of settled into like, okay, this is not the end of the world. That's not the disaster that I was making it out to be. And it's actually, you know, it it was it was pretty good for a while. And um, you know, and so yeah. Uh, did all those other coaches that you live with kind of have the same mindset? A little bit. Um, I was. I'm. I'm not the. I'm not the kind of person that jumps ship easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I lived there longer than most, um, and so a lot of people would come in and they would live for there for a year and then either get out of coaching or go get a job somewhere else. And, um, so there was turnover in, in, in the, in the time that I lived there. And, um, I was just like, I'm, you know, I'm paying my dues and I'm, this is, I, I have, um, I have some loyalty to, to my employers and to the athletes I was working with. And so I wasn't always, I was rarely looking to jump ship. Um, you know, I applied some places here and there, but, um, I was particular about, the places that I applied and, um, I don't, you know, like I said, there's some people that are just, they're, they got a job and as soon as they got a job, they're looking for their next job. And that's, that's not, that's not how I roll. And so, um, I guess I had a little different mentality than a lot of the people I live with. Um, I know we've had a couple of, uh, dual SID SAS coaches, uh, but we haven't really delved into coaching. Um, what was your coaching philosophy like, and how did you balance all that out? I mean, between you know trying to recruit among all those other duties. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't do a ton of recruiting. Um, I helped when I could. Um, we have um, Blamit's a a tough school to get into, and um, so in general, our in track is in, track is easier to recruit. In, it's easier to find recruits. Um, I can just go online and I can dump a list of every track person in Oregon and what and see what their time is. And it's like, okay, I know how good you are. Uh, you know, football got to watch video and film, and it's like they, they can look at stats, but that doesn't tell them anything. In track, it's easy because it's this is this is the stat. The stat is how good you are. That's you know. So so I I didn't do a ton of, of help with that. Um, when they brought me out here, part of the part of the reason that, that I got the job was because of all this technical stuff that I do. I do all the, and I still do all the all the timing for our track and cross country meets, and um, that is something that is pretty complex. And a lot of places, 
and actually, I, I bet very few SIDs actually delve into that world um, because it is pretty a pretty complex topic. And um, you know, so I that's that was kind of my expertise is this technical stuff. Um, so that's what that's what I didn't my helping with recruiting was not like why I was at Willamette. That was I was here to I was here to coach the pole vault and do this technical stuff. Is the gist of it. So yeah, it, and. Um, like I said, it, it's as far as as far as philosophy. Um, I just I my goal is to when coaching was was to help the athletes to get better. They need we, we need to make improvements, um, and sometimes improvements in getting better doesn't necessarily mean better marks or or jumping higher. Um, you know, and, and that is that is a that is a topic that um, I think spans um, sports and industry, and in that sometimes you have to take a step back to take two forward. Um, and that's what, that was a hard sell for a lot of kids. It's like, listen, you're 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 not doing this right, and we need to fix it for you to get better. But you're going to get worse before you get better, and you need to push through that. You need to know that we're going to take a step back so we can take two forward. And that is a that is a hard sell, especially um, for a lot of the a lot of the kids at Willamette who, you know, are very um, they're they're really smart, um, but sometimes they lack like the big picture type stuff. And um, it was, it was <laughs> like it, it's okay, it's like you know, it's it's okay that you're not jumping as high as you did last year. That's that's fine. What we need to do is keep pushing forward, and um, that was always. My thing is let's let's keep pushing forward. Let's keep making improvements. Let's try and get better at what we do. And if we get better at what we do, then the results will show in the end. And I think that carries over to sports information and the business world and pretty much anything anything you do. That a lot of times, if you're looking at something, um, we may have to take a step back to really move our process forward. Uh, are, are coaches easy to buy into that, or are there some that kind of resist that? Do they have problems seeing the big picture? Yes, yes, they do. Um, we are one of my pet peeves, and one of the things I'm working on right now is kind of a branding initiative, and it's I say branding, but it's really my focus is really more on identity, um, logo use, and color use. Um, uh, there's been several times where I'm standing at the fence of our soccer game and someone comes up and says, who are we playing? Which team is us? And to me, that's a problem. Yeah. If, if you can't look out on the field and you can't figure out, figure out which team is us, um, we've got a problem. And um, I'm in a department where there's been, there's been a lot of autonomy amongst coaches. They've kind of done their own thing. And, I've slowly crept into this role gradually. You know, I started off as um, I was helping them. You know, they wanted a camp brochure, so I helped them with the camp brochure. Into now where it's like, no, I'm doing the camp brochures, and they're all going to look the same, and they're going to be of high quality, and that's just the way it is. And so there there are some coaches that, that when you sit down and talk to them, like, okay, I get it. I get it. And, you know, one of, one of my really good good friends in the coaching staff is like he's probably the worst offender but he gets it and so so when i talk to him about it he's like i'm sorry yeah you're right you're right you're right and there are others who just don't care um and that's a constant battle and hopefully i will win because if i don't then we're not going to improve uh as a brand so yeah <laughs> um how can others if they're facing difficult coaches and things like branding we will get to that in a minute um how can they, you know, sit down and what 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 is that like saying you need to stop you need to let me, you know, do my job, do what you know we should be doing? it's hard and um it depends. It's it's and it's a it's a per- a lot of times it's a personality issue. Um and I've been I've actually been listening to the sports leadership podcast. I don't know if you listened to any of that with Kevin Shea, so it's yeah. That's actually helped me a lot too to kind of like yeah i hear him say these things and it's like ah yes you're right that's why i'm having trouble with this coach because they're this personality and i'm this personality and, I'm, and you know so it's a 
in everything, but especially in, in this world, it's, it's like, it's a people business and I'm not, I'm not a people person. You know, I'm, I'm an engineer and like, there's a, there's a problem. I can fix this problem. Let me fix the problem. We don't need to talk about it. Just let me fix it. Um, but that's not how the world works and (laughs) especially doesn't work that way in college athletics. And, um, so I'm, struggling with that and i'm trying to grow as a communicator and being able to uh you know talk through and explain this is why i'm doing this and this is why it's important and um there are some people that will be receptive to that and you sit them down you know i had a a, a women's basketball coach came in yesterday and said hey i want to do it i want to do some t-shirts can can you come up with a, a cool logo design and i said you know i can but to be honest with you, I think you should just use one of our logos. And she's like, well, why Why can't we do something cool? And I had a, a logo on my shirt, and I pointed to it, and I said, you know, this is, this is our logo. And if every other thing we do is different than this, then we will never move forward. You know, if we don't, we don't have any kind of saturation with our logo and our identity. And so we need to keep pushing that. We need to push the same thing over and over and over and over again. And then when we do that – then we can maybe do something a little outside the box. Then we can tweak some things, you know. You know, Oregon. That's one of the tough things about where we live is that we're we're an hour from Oregon, right. and they can do whatever the heck they want. But they can do that because they're Oregon, and that's their brand. We can't afford that. We can't afford to do those kinds of things, and we don't have the luxury of being such a powerful brand that we can wear fifteen different color uniforms. I mean, they they're they're the heck they're football teams wearing navy blue and yellow that's not their colors but they can do that because they're oregon and that's part of their brand and in trying to <laughs> trying to get that across when we live in the in the land of the ducks sometimes it's a little difficult um i want yeah like you, you touched on it i i actually just ordered out jeremy darlow's book you know brands win championships um what is how do you you know develop that consistency like you said they need to recognize well i'm at you know, over and over and over again before you can actually do something. And Oregon's brand is that they are crazy. That is like that's only unique to Oregon. Kawhi Leonard is brand is that he doesn't have a brand because he's so quiet. I mean, how do you develop that consistency in the and overall? Uh, it it's hard work. And Jeremy Darlow's book is is fantastic. Um, I read it. I loved it. Um, there half of it did not apply to us. Um. You know, there was like a whole chapter on uh, on running a Heisman campaign. <laughs> that doesn't help me much, but uh, um, but there there's so many undertones in that book. That's like yes, this yes, yes, yes. And I actually um, one of my um, one of my colleagues does it uh, every other year. Does a teaches a class on athletic administration, and I gave in. I went in and did a presentation for the class and based my presentation on that book. And uh, you know perception is reality and uh it you know it, getting back to the question uh, how, how, do, how do we do that it's it's not easy and it's it's the kind of thing where you need buy-in and you need buy-in from the top um and we've struggled a little uh with that mainly because we've we've gone through several ad's fairly quickly um so we just have we haven't had consistent leadership from the top. Um, so it's hard to for me to kind of enforce this thing when there's no one at the top or the person at the top now is different than the person that was at the top two years ago. And so we've struggled with that. But uh, you know, basically, I, what I'm doing is I'm just hammering it every time. Like, no, this is why. This is the, no, that's not. You can't do that. Um, and why? Why? Why can't? Why can't we get? black shirts with gold logos well because their colors are cardinal and gold not black and gold um and that's that's it, to me it's just hammering that home just keep consistent can, if, if i'm consistent in my message to them i'm hoping <laughs> eventually it will just it will sink in um and slowly we will we will get some buy-in and it's i think at some point there's going to be a turning point where a once a majority of people have bought in, I think then it will it will go a whole lot easier. So, what what is the brand that you're trying to to trying to be with Willamette? Because when when you think of somebody like 
Alabama, there's that tradition, you know, vibe, tradition feel to it where, like we've mentioned Oregon a couple times, it, it is that crazy thing. So what is it? Is that that kind of, is it come with the name? Does it come with the mascot? I mean, where, do, where does it come from? Oh, yeah, and that's a good question, and, and I don't have a good answer for it. Because um, I say, I talk about brand, but in in my, and really what, when I say brand, really what I'm talking about is identity. Um, we need to work on brands, what the Willamette brand is. And, and, and that is something that I don't think I can do. I can't define our brands, um, but I can define our, in my role, but, but I can define our identity. I can define, like, these are our colors. This is our logo. Th- these are the things when you see things you know that it's Willamette. What does that mean? What does that, you know, what, what do those things mean? You know, that's, that's a little tougher question and uh, probably something that we need to work out. Um, but it, 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 you know, right now it's just for that kind of thing. I lean back to, you know, we're, we're, you know, top tier liberal arts college. It's, we're, we're a small liberal arts college that has high academic standards and we're trying to be successful in athletics. Um, and, you know, that's, that's kind of what, that's kind of our brand, but, um, that's not, it's, that's not really, we're not really doing what, we're not doing a good job reinforcing that aspect of our brand and, um, we need to do better with it. Um, but like I said, it's, it's steps and, you know, what can you control? And I can control, I can control the, the imagery and, and the colors and things like that. So let's start there and we'll. We'll start there, and I'll do what I can do, and then, you know, hopefully we will have a, a leader come in. Um, we're actually we're looking for a new AD, and um, hopefully they will come in with the vision, and then we'll be able to tie that into our identity and um, come up with a better better branding campaign. Um, so I want to talk about transition a little bit to using that identity, uh, kind of like a social media presence and your graphics. Uh, they look great, by the way. Follow you on Twitter. Everything looks great. Um, so you have to use that. How do you use that identity and translate it into graphics as far as consists? Cause I know that there are some, there are some people that have like a different game day graphic just about, you know, every damn game. Yeah. And that's insane. First of all, uh, one, because it, one from the whole, from the, from the identity and branding aspect, but two, who, who's got time for that? Um, that, that is a lot of work. Yeah. And, so I, to me, like when I when I work on our our graphics and things like that, there's two things that I really focus on. One is cardinal and gold. Those are our colors. Our colors are cardinal and gold, um, and I want a clean look. So cardinal and gold and a clean look, and. Usually what that means is more white and less black. Um, that is a fight that I will go to my deathbed <laughs> fight. Um, I, 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 get, I, get in, I get in that fight all the time. We have black uni- Why do we have black uniforms? You know, in our conference, there, there are three other schools that have black as their color. Our color is not black, so why are we wearing the same color as someone else's? You know, and especially when we, when we compete against them, um, and so that's kind of why. And I, so I can't. It's black is cool. Black looks great. Black is awesome. Black's not our color, and black is not a neutral color in in the terms of what I'm doing. Um, I think of a neutral color is, and I say neutral. I don't mean neutral in the 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 shade of the color. I mean neutral in the wave the white flag neutral. You know, white is a neutral color. Everyone has white. Everyone uses white. It's neutral. It's there's 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 no one whose color is white. Yes, go white. No, but there are black. There are people whose colors are black, and uh, so that's not neutral. It's you know, black has picked a side, and it's not us. We've picked cardinal and gold. Um, so when I when I'm working on on our our graphics and. For, for social media and for anything really it's it's the cardinal and gold and primarily the cardinal I'm pushing cardinal I, but there needs to be gold 
and if there needs to be another color, it's usually white. So. Okay. Um, how about this? What? I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this question. Um, okay, I got one. How about one thing when you see other people do work with something like that, and they do the complete opposite? What is like? What is your biggest pet peeve that you see? My biggest pet peeve is when people put out graphics that are over the top. They're they're trying to be over the top. They're trying to be Clemson. They're trying to be Michigan, but they don't have the skill set to do that. And so, you know, one of the things that they say that a good designer knows what not to do, you know, what to take out, not what to put in. Um, and there's there's a lot of lot of graphics that go out there, and it's just like if you did just stayed simple this would look fine but you tried to be fancy and you tried to do uh you know you got the latest action in photoshop um but it doesn't tie into the rest of your graphics you know it doesn't you know that that i mean if you look at if you look at the stuff that we put out it is consistent and it it i have a template that i kind of move around and squish a little bit but it's it, it's basically a white geometric background and some slanted shapes, and that's what everything looks like. And so it's consistent. So, um, you know, and I'm not jumping on the the latest. Well, somebody's doing this now. I need to do that too. Um, we we've used the same graphic for about a year and a half, and I'll probably change it up this summer. Um, but it, it's consistency and being consistent with what you're doing and knowing your limits uh, there's definitely times when i've tried things i've played around like, oh that would be so cool and i look at it and be like i'm not doing a very good job at this so i can't put this out there um you know and that's that's the key is, is recognizing recognizing your limits and knowing that yeah i i, I see what i want to do but what i'm doing is not does not look like what i want to do so i'm not going to put it out there and you know like that that's that's the thing I see the most that I that I wish people would, would recognize a little bit more. But uh, it, it's hard to. I mean, it's, it's this is kind of what I do. This is part. This is a big part of my job. But there are a lot of people out there doing this stuff that that's not a big part of their job. It's kind of got thrown on them, uh, and they picked up some Photoshop because they had to. So it's it's hard to fault them. Uh, but at the same time, I look at some stuff. Yeah, I don't know about that. So what do you think, what should they say to themselves when they're developing this? I mean, what, what defines as over-the-top and what defines as simple? I mean, what, what are some things that they should ask themselves before putting something out there? That's a tough question. And it's also something that you learn with time. And if you're – I look at the stuff that I did 10 years ago, and it's just like, eh, oh, God, that's bad. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I've gotten better at it, and, but I've – when I'm doing something, I'm that's, I'm always trying to get better, and um, I, that's something that I think people need to. Again, it comes back to like this: this is not a big chunk of their job, right. but if they're going to do it, they need to not just go through the motions, and they need to realize that that if they're just starting out, that it probably is bad, and that's okay as long as they keep working to get better, and they keep recognizing and you know looking at some other things and, and trying to clean up their design a little bit and um not push the limits and um it, it that being said this is all subjective this is, this is this is these are my thoughts but right. this is who am i yeah. you know um th- th- i just gotta ask electrical engineering background did you think you had taken interest in design and everything no um but as i look back it kind of makes sense and um you know, it's, it's, I'm not a, I consider myself an artist, but not really in, like, I, right, yeah, 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 I see what you're trying to say. I went to Alfred University, and if anyone's familiar with Alfred University, they have a big art program, um, and I would say, it, the, the two big contingents on campus are art and engineering, and um, I learned early on at Alfred that if you don't know what it is, don't ask. It's art, and you probably won't understand it. 
And so I'm not that kind of artist. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We, we had a section of campus called Tetanus Park because it was a bunch of rusted rusted art. And I, I don't, I mean, okay, I, I don't get that. It doesn't doesn't work for me, but it does for some people, and that's fine. And so I'm not that kind of artist. But I like the, like the clean lines and visually, if it, the consistency and stuff like that, I think it ties in a lot to, to engineering and numbers and, you know, formulas and this is the way you do it and so so yeah so no i didn't i didn't think myself going this way but that's it, it, looking back and actually people have told me that along the way it's like oh yeah sure engineering and it, that makes perfect sense i was like you're crazy it doesn't make any it doesn't make sense but you know it it kind of does when you think about it tetanus park okay moving on Let's try, I, I want to go to a part of the uh, interview where I like to ask you know some fun questions, and plus I kind of want to move on from my brain fart that I heard there earlier. Um, in your professional tenure, what has been your favorite memory so far? It could be anything, aside from the naked homeless people running around. That's probably not a good memory. I don't. You know, I think the the most exciting thing that's happened is actually kind of unrelated to my job but you know last year i uh i put out uh um a video and i did a presentation in casida about uh using um the xml game files to automate uh um uh, infographics and that's one of those things where that's one of the things where I think I bring something a little different to the table. And it's like, I was like, oh yeah, we can do that. I can do that way easy. This is easy. I can, we can figure this out. And so I did it. And, and the amount of people that picked up on it and called me and sent me messages, it's like, oh, how do, how do we, can you help me with this and help me with that? And uh, to me, that was just exciting is to, to, you know, take my little engineering programming expertise and be able to apply that to something to all these people that, that don't know that, but now they have this tool set where they can, you know, do an infographic in 10 seconds instead of spending, you know, 30 minutes after a game doing it. And, um, so to me, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, what about on the other side of the coin, uh, biggest horror story so far? That might be the naked homeless people. You can say that. Uh, no, I haven't, I haven't had a ton of horror stories. Um, you know, mo- most of the stuff like that is, you know, things that have gone wrong, um, but I, I pride myself in my ability to be able to deal with adversity as it comes up. Um, you know, we had a, we had a, we had a track meet the, a couple weeks ago and, um, we have, there's in, in the infield, there's, there are power outlets that have weather sealed plugs on them. And I reached down to pull out the plug and, uh, someone had put it back without putting the weather sealing on it. And we'd had a ton of rain, and so now none of the power in the infield works. And we've got this, we've got this track and field invitational where there's, you know, 700 athletes and 25 teams come in, and we're supposed to start in an hour and a half, and I have no power in the infield. How am I going to run all my t- cameras and timing system? And, um, but, you know, I, there's a lot. There's some people in, in this profession who I've met that I think that would have kind of broke. Um, but for me, that's okay. Let's fix it. Where's where's the problem? What can we do? Let's let's solve this problem. And um, so you know, I broke out the the heat gun and dried it out, and we survived. Um, so I, it, it, I I so I haven't had a ton of horror stories. I've got had a lot of bad things go wrong. Um, and I and like I said, I pride myself myself in the BL. Let's let's fix those in the moment, and we can we can let's not freak out. Let's not throw our hands in the air and say this is the end of the world. Let's figure out what we can do to move forward. Um, when you see other SIDs in your in your conference uh, division, maybe even the country, and you look at them and you, and you say, that is a good SID, um, what are some characteristics or some things that they do that make you say that? The thing that makes me say that the most is the people who provide equitable support to all teams. Um, like I said, I, I came up, growing I, I came up in this industry you know as a track coach and uh you know i played football in high school but i was a wrestler and, a, and ran track as well um so i i have an affinity for the olympic sports in the sports that don't get enough attention and 
I think that the SIDs who realize that and and realize that, well, the track athletes and the swimmers and the tennis and golf, they all work just as hard as everyone else. And at our level, anyways, none of them are bringing in any money. So why are we giving so much more support to football or basketball just because those are the ones that everybody likes? You know, so those are the SIDs that I think are that that stand out to me. Is like, yeah, that they've got it right. They're 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 doing the you know the special interviews and special graphics and stuff. They're doing those for the other sports as well. Um, they're well rounded in their department. And um, at the Division One level, it's a different beast. But at Division Three, that's you know I, I think that's important. Uh, one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? I, you know, I don't want to say this because people will hold me to it, but uh, uh, I, I'd like to learn more about, like, the stats and being able to stat games. I don't want to have to do it, but I think it would be beneficial if there were times when we needed someone, if I could do that. Um, you know, I'm... I'm kind of diff- I'm kind of a different beast in that I'm not a I'm not a huge sports fan. You know, I don't just love sports. Um, I have an affinity towards teams. Um, I'm I'm from upstate New York, western New York. Um, I'm diehard Bills neighbors fans, but I don't. You know, I'll sit I'll sit on Sundays. I'll sit and listen to the Bills games on on my phone, the, the audio version of it. But if a you know if the Seahawks games on, I don't care to watch that. You know, because I have an affinity towards the Bills, and at Willamette, I have an affinity towards our players and our teams. I don't really care about baseball or soccer. It's it's the people playing those games, and and that's um, that's kind of to me that's that's a little different. <laughs> yeah, different, a little bit different. I know that like you got to be invested in it and you have to do it for the athlete. So that does make perfect sense in, in, in a way. Um, what is one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession? Learn as much as you can about as many things as you can. Um, there, are, there are a lot of people who are experts in one thing, but more and more, and, and this goes actually goes across uh, professions. More and more people who are generalists um, have more opportunities. Um, so if you can if you can do a little of everything, and the job is this one thing, it, you know someone looking they call they can do all this, but we only need them to do this. Well, if they can do all that, they can learn to do that one thing even more. Um, so that that'd be my advice: is is learn everything you can. Uh, take the opportunity to, to get your hands into uh, all aspects of not just SID, SID, things, <laughs> things and does, um, but the department stuff. Learn the department. Learn what's what's going on. Um, and again, that, that I guess this this is different from this, the Division One world versus Division Three world. Is that's probably a completely different aspect. Um, but people who are at these smaller schools learn everything that's going on in the department. Help any way you can. Because in the Division Three world, things are going to come up that's not part of your job that you're going to have to help with. And it, when you're interviewing, and you know they know that you've done these other things or know that you know how to do these other things, I think that will be uh, extremely helpful. Uh, next time someone's up in Oregon, how about the Salem, Oregon area? Or uh, Willamette? Or Eugene? Um, just in the general area, what's your restaurant recommendation? Maybe bar recommendation, too. Um, I don't know. Um, there, I, well, I'll, I'll throw out the Cozy's Deli is fantastic. And, um, I'm a little bit, I'm a food snob and not in the way you would think. I have a very refined palate for things like chicken wings and draft beer, mm-hmm. like PR and Coors, like though, though that, that's my taste. So I don't like fancy things. And I don't like, um, I'm not a big fan of the chains, but, you know, that's, well, that's what we have. We have a lot of chains here. I'm from, from upstate New York. There's so much food and it's all mom and pop places right. and it's all fantastic. And 
when I moved to Memphis, that there was less, and then when I moved out here, there was even less of that. And uh, but Cozy's Deli is, is is pretty good. It's the only it's the only place in town where I can get myself a good Capicola sandwich. <laughs> All right. Um, what about if someone wanted to get in touch with you? Uh, you know, for any questions or anything. Also, how I know you have a you have some YouTube tutorials, do you not? Um, uh, you can catch me uh, Chris at Chris Sabato on Twitter. Uh, ChrisSabato.com is my website. Uh, I haven't put anything up there recently, but you know, when I when I come across some neat things, um, things that I think uh, maybe other SIDs or other people in this world may not know, um, I'll do some videos and, and put those on my website and. Um, I do a lot of photography for that stuff so on my website as well. Um, also, real quick, I know you're a big podcast listener. What's your favorite non-sports podcast? Oh, God, I don't know. You know, I just finished um, S-Town, the, the, new, the new one from, from NPR. Uh, that, was, that, was, that was really good. Um, I really enjoyed that. But I, 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 listen, to, I listen to a ton of podcasts. And, um, you know, I, I listen to a lot of the stuff on the Twit Network. And a lot of stuff on the Five by Five network, and so most of my podcast listening is tech-related stuff. But yeah, that sounds good. If you haven't listened to it, it's, there's only six of them, six episodes. You can binge them and listen to them, and then be done. And it, it's pretty good. Uh, I am in the market for a new podcast. I would like something non-sports related. I'm trying to do like a marketing type of thing. I don't know. That's what I'm trying to do. I kind of fell out of the NPR stuff. I don't drive as much as I used to. It used to be yeah. like over the summer, I would just. You know, go to and from work, and even, heck, even at work, I would be listening to NPR. I've kind of fallen out of it recently. I don't listen to it. I don't listen to basically Serial. I listen to Serial, and uh, um, and actually, for those of you who listen to Serial and liked it, uh, Undisclosed uh, is fantastic. And they dug way deep into, way more than Serial did into that topic, and, and um, they had, their second season was just as good, and they're doing some other stuff now. Uh, that's If you're true crime, if you like true crime, uh, undisclosed is fantastic, um, but most of, most of the stuff I listen to is just like punditry, mm. and it's not like it's just kind of knowing what's going on in the world of tech and talking heads, and, and a lot of it it's a lot of it really is more. I listen to the podcast more for the people who are on it because um, I, I enjoy hearing those people's comments, and so yeah, yeah, much like this podcast, as the guests are the reason why people listen, so. Chris, that was episode twenty-two. Uh, thank you for coming on. It wasn't too bad, was it? Fun. It's, yeah, I have I have a dream of being a podcaster. So there, I'm 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 halfway there, right? Yeah, halfway there. Yeah, you got a microphone. You got a good microphone. I do not. I have uh, my phone. That is my microphone. So uh, I'm about as most unprofessional as you're gonna get. But uh, again, thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Uh, everybody, that was episode twenty-two of SID Cast with Chris Sabato of Willamette. Uh, you can always, uh, my, my computer just tried to get me to restart. Um, you can always find the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can subscribe there, uh, rate and review, as I said. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook, uh, backslash Sports Infocast. You can also follow me if you want, um, at David Gibson underscore XC, because I haven't gotten rid of my cross-country stuff from a couple years ago. So uh, that, that would be how you find me there. Um, and as promised, uh, I will go ahead and address the future of SIDcast. Uh, as you know, uh, obviously, it's April, unless you live on a different planet. Um, and I'm almost done with my junior year, and almost done with school, and I'm, I'm going to have to move back home, and uh, this may fall on the back burner. Uh, about an episode or two more, and then I'll be in finals, and then I'll have to start doing summer school and working 40 hours a week, so... Um, these next couple episodes may be it for a short time, June, July, and then we'll pick back up again, maybe briefly in August, um, and then we'll, we'll start hitting the ground running once again, uh, once a week in September, and then that is then we'll go from there. That will be the start of Season 2. So, uh, getting near the end, and uh, Chris, thank you for coming on, as I said, and uh, we hope to catch you all in the next episode.